Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Raise Your Vibration podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. My name is Shelby Rose, and I am an energetic and business guide helping you align, activate, and expand your energy to create the life and business you're wildly obsessed with. I believe that every single one of us has a path that lights us up, makes us excited to get up every single day, and brings massive service and impact to the world. In this podcast, we'll tune into our soul's true desires, take ownership for every single thing in our lives, and shift our vibration to embody the queen we came here to be. You deserve this. You get to have it. Let's go create it. All right, my loves, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to dive into healing the mother wound with Carrie Hummingbird. We talk all about the healing journey, all about finding the root wound, the root energy that is holding us back from our highest potential purpose and path. Carrie Hummingbird is the soul guide and host of Soul Nectar Show. She is the international best-selling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, and the award-winning best-selling book, Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love, which describes the early years of her spiritual awakening. Carrie inspires people to lead their lives wide awake with an authenticity, passion, and purpose that positively impacts others. She catalyzes mind shifts that transform life challenges into gifts of wisdom. Her newest book, already a number one international bestseller, is called Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Room and describes the most direct path to spiritual enlightenment. You guys, I really loved our conversation. Carrie is so real and so authentic. She shares all of the aspects of her journey, all the experiences, all the highs and lows. And I'm really grateful for her showing up authentically and raw and real and showing us what real healing looks like. So Before we dive into this episode, you can also look for me on Carrie's podcast coming in August. We had such an amazing conversation about spiritual discernment, about really using your psychic abilities with integrity and so much more. And I cannot wait for this episode to air. It was a beautiful conversation and I know you guys are all going to enjoy that as well. Okay, let's dive into this juicy conversation. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. I've been looking forward to it all week, and I'm excited to share you with the listeners. You've done some really incredible things that I know they're going to love and want to hear more about. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got to what you're doing today? Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me here, and I I just welcome all the listeners to this uh, conversation. I guess, in a nutshell, I always have to think, how am I going to tell my story today? I guess, in a nutshell, today, I'll just say that uh, I was always on the path. I think we're always on the path. We're never not on the path. You know, the path is always happening. And in my case, the part of my path that I was on 
previous to this part of the path was the path of doing it the way everybody else does it, right? I mean, we spend a little time doing it that way because we're trying to figure out this thing called life and what does it mean and is it safe uh, to be myself and what does it mean to even be myself because you don't even know what it is to be yourself, right? Yeah. And so, you know, kind of follow along with other people in conventions in order to get on the path to figuring out what that is. So pretty quickly, I started realizing I didn't fit in with corporate environments because I worked for high-tech companies in Silicon Valley doing technical writing. That was my first job out the gate. And I actually did that kind of work for 20 years, believe it or not. You know, it's kind of funny when you look back, people that meet me today go, you did technical writing? That's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) The opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's just strange. But... It was strange. I mean, I was doing something that I could make some money at that was comfortable for me because my dad was in high tech. So it was something that was like safe and comfortable. And I was like, okay, I can, I can get a nine to five job. I can do this thing, make some money and then figure out who I am. And so I did that for a while. And um, pretty quickly, I met my, um, the father of my children really quickly out the gate, like at 22, bam, here was this man who when I met him, it was like lightning across the room. If you ever meet those kind of people where it's mm-hmm. like, there's like huge connection. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I got on my path years later, um, with Alberto Vialdo, I studied at the Four Winds Satellite Body School after me being married 20 years to this man with the lightning across the room. Um, I get into my class with Alberto and he says, you know, when you meet those people with the lightning across the room, that kind of thing, run, because they probably killed you in another life. And, you know, you might want this huge karma. There's actually really big karma there. But I didn't know that at 22. I just thought, oh my gosh, this is the one, right? Because you think yeah. this is, and he was the one. I mean, so for 20 years, he and I worked out our karma. We had like huge lessons to learn together. We did big, powerful, deep shadow work. I didn't even know what that was at the time, but we were immersed in it. Mm-hmm. And we also had a lot of fun. Like we had glorious ups, glorious downs, and we just, we had a beautiful beautiful experience and a a painful experience at times, you know, so we were really doing our best to figure out like how to live this life the best way possible. And it was going along. Okay. You know, there was, we were in counseling from the very first moment we met. So our relationship started with counseling and you know, it's like, you just can't turn your back on something as powerful as when we met, you know, it's just the thing you just have to, you have to stay with that thing and try to make that thing work. So that's what we did. And it worked okay as long as we could have lots of fun and go travel and go to Maui and do this and that. We were okay. But the minute it started getting really challenging, like having children, it became like I started realizing I'm ill-equipped for this, number one. I don't even know how to be a mom. Um, Number two, our relationship is pretty challenged by this experience. And number three, I'm looking at my kids and I'm going, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I... At my current level of saturation of being, how am I going to provide for them a nourishing life? Because I'm looking at my friends and they seem like they're in a much better spot than I'm in. And they seem to be like up on all the right foods and the right activities and how to, you know, make their child really smart. And my, my children are, you know, beautiful and I love them and I'm not really sure how to, you know, how to manage all this. So I was, I felt really, I felt it. And I, I think in retrospect, a lot of people feel that way. It's just that they pretend like they've got it all handled. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that as a young person. I just thought, oh, everybody's got it handled but me. So um, I, I had my first child at 30. And um, I remember walking 
um, around the block with him because he was very colicky. And I remember walking around the block with him and he was just screaming all the time until, you know, I would have to walk for like an hour or more to just get him to quiet down, calm down. There's nothing wrong with him, but he just was, he would cry a lot. And I remember standing, like my body would just stop in front of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment right around the block from where I lived. I'd never been in there, but my body would go and just stop in front of there and I would just look. And I would felt this tremendous urge to walk in, but I wouldn't walk in. I just would not go. And that happened for years. And then, you know, things just got more hectic. And I was trying to look, find fulfillment. You know, I was seeking something bigger than myself. I was seeking a deeper source. I just didn't know those words. But I was, I was looking for it at the bottom of the wine bottle. It wasn't in there, you know. Weird. It wasn't there for me either. <laughs> Like, it's so got to be checked. in there somewhere. Like, I drank all of it, so I don't know. Like, I was seeking it everywhere. And, you know, and, my, and I wanted to find this other, like, I felt like there was something more. There was something really profound and more that I, that I meant to have or be for my children, too. Like, this was just felt so strange to be in such a shallow world. So, um and I was doing artwork too, like I'm an artist. So I was doing all this artwork and I, and I would be fulfilled while creating the artwork, you know, out in the yard or whatever. Um, but then as soon as they would stop, I'd be back into this shallow mode, feeling like I'm seeking something and like it's just not enough. So um, we got ourselves backed into a corner or I helped get us back into a corner because I, I was like, I immersed all in the art world from the tech world. I left the tech world because I just couldn't even stand it anymore. And I, I went into this art world to be a nonprofit. And that's when, um, you know, I immersed in it. I was so desperate for this thing to work, you know, for meaning to have meaning for my life to be fulfilled. And I just gave it all into this nonprofit where I made no money at all. So my very material based husband was like pretty upset at the loss of income. And we ended up moving to Texas where I thought, okay, this is going to be great. We're going to move to a cheaper place. We're going to sell our house. that's now worth a million dollars. Right. And now we're going to go live the life like in Texas where it's cheaper. And I think this is great. My family lives out there. We'll have support. You know, it'll all work out now. <laughs> Except then all of my stuff that got kicked up from having these babies got even amplified being around my mom and my dad, who I love very much. But something about the mix of my mom with my husband and all of these patterns from, my, from watching my kids and all this stuff stirred up inside me from having babies was just like a concoction explosion. And I just like squirted out the sides pretty much. Just... <laughs> 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 so, you know, I went wild for a few years and, and did a lot of things that I regret um, in retrospect, but they were necessary, I guess, in order for me to find my voice and my truth. And I, I finally made the responsible decision and said, you know, this marriage and, you know, we're here to raise these kids. We got to raise these kids till the end of the days. So we need to not hate each other in order to do that. And we're on a path to really deeply hating each other right now. So we need to quit this marriage. Like this needs to stop. And we'll figure it out, you know, but something else needs to happen. And 
up to that point, like things were starting to click for me. Like I was starting to get signs and messages and things that had never happened before. Like, oh, I'm supposed to do this or, oh, I remember this part or, um, oh, I got this sign. That's the end of the rope. I need to walk out of here. Okay. I was having these, starting to have these spiritual experiences. So when I left, um, you know, he was really, my, my former partner was really devastated. He wanted to keep going, you know, and I just thought we can't, I needed space to explore myself. So that's what basically happened. And within about six months, I found my first spiritual teacher. I got a mentor and then I stepped into a, a year long spiritual program um, based in shamanism, started learning about that, got my first healing session, which I, I didn't even know that was possible, you know, and somebody said, oh, you can go to a shaman and get a healing. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's the kind of thing you do at rock bottom, right? When you're like nothing else working. Um, so sure, I'll try it. And it, it was profound, right? Shelby, I know you were, you dance in this space. It was amazing. It was like, I, I was lying on the floor, which to me was a demotion after decades of sitting on a couch, you know, talking about my problems. <laughs> Now I'm on the floor, you know, and he's like drumming and, and, you know, going into my, um, my energetic field, right into my consciousness and exploring. And, and I was like, okay, this is stupid. I'm lying on the floor. My mind's chattering at me. And I finally said, okay, Carrie, just remember, remember what this teacher told you, like, just, just suspend your disbelief for even a fraction of a second. Let's just try that. And so I did, I suspended my disbelief for a fraction of a second. And in that space of disbelief and like suspending it, this presence came and hovered over me and I felt it. I felt this like, almost like a person hovering right above my body and the person was made of total light and was glowing and was loving and compassionate and forgiving and all the things that make me want to cry now when I talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, wow. And I knew that this presence loved me. I knew instantly. And I, and the moment I felt that presence, he stopped drumming, which kind of reinforced it, right? That this is real. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I said, there's a presence hovering above me. And he giggled and he said, you're so sensitive. I love that. And then he just kept with the healing. And he started pulling things out of my heart, like like this black cramping energy I always felt around my heart, like this shame or pain or um, like when you get a menstrual cramp, except it was around my heart and he pulled it out. And it, it went and I felt it go and he felt him flick it in the dish of sage, just flicked it out there. I felt this. So while he's doing the healing, I'm having this like epiphany of understanding about my beingness as he's doing the healing. Like I'm remembering I'm not one thing and it's not solid and dense. I'm remembering that I'm more than this body. I'm remembering that there's energy and that the energy moves and it, it's not all stuck in one place and that if you let it flow it flows like all these things are like just rapid fire coming through my being and i'm remembering all of this as he's doing the healing and and on his side he's seeing into my 
my life's memories and he's finding the original wound, which happened when I was about one years old. So he's healing that. And when we come out of the, out of the session, we compare notes and I'm, I'm like, whatever this is, I'm hooked. Like, this is it. I'm doing this. So I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this for everybody else, whatever path mm -hmm. I need to be on to become this. This is what I'm going to do for people because this changed my whole identity. It changed everything back to what I think is more a graceful understanding of self. So that's essentially my path. And ever since then, I've done a lot of trainings and all that kind of stuff, but it just keeps getting better. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm blown away. And I always am so blown away. Like I'm, I'm in tears as you're sharing your story about that presence and that energy. And it always blows me away. Everyone has had such different spiritual experiences and so many different ways of awakening on their path. And it just, I think it just validates that when this is, you're, you know, you're having these experiences and these things happening and it just, oh, everything is like wide open and expanded right now for me. So give me a second as I come back in. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I want to circle back to that you spoke about though, was having, you know, being in that place where everything was oozing out for you and being really triggered around your parents and your partner and just everything was kind of happening all at once. A book you wrote is on healing the mother wound. Was that something that was getting activated for you during that time frame? Was that something that you were experiencing during that time or was that something you circled back to and realized after time what was happening? Tell me more about that. Yeah, when I was in the throes of that oozing, I had no clue what was going on. I was doing things that I never thought I would do because I'm a person of integrity, you know, so, and when I started acting out of integrity and couldn't stop myself, I was shocked at myself. Mm -hmm. So I was cheating on my husband, like I was going to art shows and I was like hooking up with random people and, you know, I, it was, it was kind of crazy. I mean, there was a lot going on for me. Looking back, I can say that it definitely was a spiritual awakening happening for me. It happened because I discovered orgasm. So um, I had never had one before I was 42. And then we, I got my friend encouraged strongly that I go with her to a slumber party. And I didn't want to go because I was so embarrassed by my sexuality. I was like, nah, I'm not gonna, nah, I don't want to. But I did. I went and I, and I, and I said, it's okay. You can go and touch the, t the toys privately. Like nobody has to watch you do it. So not like use them, but just, you know, yeah. investigate them without anybody like watching you, you know, so because it was really it's a very uncomfortable thing if you've never done that, you know, yeah. it's embarrassing. And who tells you about sexuality? Like, does anybody ever tell you about how it all works? I mean, mm. I got my period and my my mom was at work, you know, and she's like, well, there's some pads under the sink, just stick one on your underwear. And I was like, that's it. I mean, so there wasn't like, um, there wasn't an introduction to sexuality, you know? Um, so now I have a stepdaughter and we're actually going to do a sweat lodge, you know, to celebrate her, her first, first moon. So there wasn't an, an initiation of, of any kind, right? It was like, here's some tampons, figure out how they work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so same with sexuality, like same with sex. It's like, well, how do you even explore that? How do you know, how do you know if you've had an orgasm or not have an orgasm? So I pondered that question for years. Like I 
thought, well, okay, maybe that was one. Oh, maybe that was one. Oh, that one felt pretty good. Maybe that was one. Like I had those dialogues with mm. myself for decades. And then when I finally got this, this toy and I, I said, okay to it and I brought it home and I started playing with it and I actually got an orgasm, the undeniable kind. I was like, I was like, wow, that's amazing. I can't believe my body can do that. That's incredible. And simultaneously right on the heels of that was you ass. Like I was so mad at my, ex my spouse. You've been having this the whole time for 15 years. And I didn't have this. That wasn't his fault, right? Like it wasn't his fault because mm -hmm. he tried to encourage me all up and down with six ways to Sunday to go explore this stuff and I wouldn't do it. It wasn't his fault. It was, it was my insecurity about my sexuality and about my body and my early childhood traumas and things that factored into that insecurity messages that I had received throughout my life that mm -hmm. I made me afraid of my sexuality. So yeah, there was a lot with the mother wound. There was so much ripe for the picking in that experience. You know, I mean, my, the birth of my children, the fact that I, um, when I birthed them, I had to have cesarean because I had herpes, you know, and I, mm -hmm. and I was having an outbreak. So I couldn't like have my child, the natural birth way. And all my friends were having like these water births with these nannies and things like that. And I'm like in the hospital drugged up, right. Mm -hmm. Having, so, I mean, there's so many facets to this conversation where I've experienced less than what um, I would, I would say would be a spiritual experience of being a woman in a body, mm. you know, and I've had these like little blocks all along, all along the way to being fully embodied as, as feminine and, and, and honoring myself and respecting myself and loving myself and caring for myself. And, and when I look in the mirror feeling like, wow, I love my body and I'm okay that it's curvy and it doesn't have to look a certain way and I don't have to suck my stomach in and mm -hmm. all of these things, like little tiny messages I got my whole life about what the perfect female body looked like and then trying to shove myself into that. Mm -hmm. So well, yeah, I, I would so say- So many people can relate to that right now, just- and, and my audience, a lot of them are in, I, I feel a lot of them are still in that where they're digging up all the messages that they've been told for a really long time. And a lot of them are in that, you know, 20 to 40 range where they're in the thick of it, right? I think it takes sometimes some time and maturity to like dig all this up. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I didn't want to cut you off. I know you're about to say oh, something. No, so okay. if you had... No, I, I have, I have compassion. I have compassion for people in that space. Cause I was a, I was a hot mess and in that, that window of time. And especially when I got pregnant with my first child from the moment I got pregnant with my first child until I delivered. And then all the way through, you're supposed to have it all together. Mm. There's like this false narrative that says that if you're a good mother, that you have it all together and you know exactly what's going on. And there's also, there's other false narratives. There's another false narrative that says, um, you know, you're, if your child is having problems, it's because you screwed up your child somehow. Mm. So then you have to go through your mind or through your experiences and figure out how you messed them up and try to correct it. So there's a lot of false narratives. And this is one of the reasons why I wrote the book is because um, all of those false narratives keep us in a cage where we actually, as women, punish ourselves 
for outcomes that are completely beyond our control that really have nothing to do with like, we can't control. I can't control how, what child comes out of me that acts one way or acts another way. They are all different. I've had two children now and I've had two stepchildren now and I can testify that every child has their own soul's curriculum and they're all extremely different. And our role is to learn from our children as they learn from us and to stay really super as steady as we can with ourselves in love and as steady as we can in love with our kids and work through these karmic patterns that are rising up for healing because they are, they, they have the weight, they have the force. These karmic patterns have the force of generations and generations coming through your body of unhealed patterns. So it's messy. It's going to be messy. And it's okay that it's messy and there's nothing wrong if it's messy. And if there's somebody else that you see that doesn't look like they're having a messy time, all that means to me is that they're just pretending <laughs> and they're doing a really good job of pretending. <laughs> you know, Because if they're anything like a healer or in this space, it's definitely messy. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to encourage everyone to just like take a deep breath in the belly, like let your belly hang out let it hang out, let it breathe out, let it expand. Don't hold it in. Don't, you know, shallow breath trying to be smaller and not take up so much space. No, like we got a deep breath and really expand our feminine. Mm, beautifully said. For someone who's new to this terminology, the mother wound, because I want to go into this a little bit more. What does a mother wound mean to you? What does that terminology mean to you? To me, it is the, it's the, like the, the, the source wound where you feel unloved, unwanted, unseen, unheard, undesired, separated, distinct, where it's like you're separated on multidimensional levels. And so on one level, of course, you're being birthed as a separate being through your mother's womb. So at one level, your source energy, and then you start to come into a separate body inside your mother's womb. And then you come out, you have another coming out through the birth canal as a separate being outside of your mother. And so there's all this separate, separate, separate. It's a process of separating. Yeah. Mm. And we don't go back until we die. So when we die, we, we separate from the body. We go back into the oneness. But so in between birth and death is an opportunity to heal the mother wound and to be embodied as source and body and no longer separate, but part of the whole. And when I was channeling the first chapter of the book, because the first chapter of the book I channeled from White Buffalo Calf Woman she was talking that cultures that know how to birth children in an integrated way, they, they know how to align the soul with the body so that there isn't this protracted separation from the body. You know, like where you feel like you're just a human being and all you are is the body. That is a mm -hmm. Western experience. So there's other cultures, they know how to integrate the soul with the body. So when you come, when the baby is born, they are, they remember who they are. They remember themselves mm. and they remember source and spirit and they're all connected to everything and they don't have this like period of, so it's possible we could be moving into a phase of humanity now where that is more the case than what we've been experiencing, which will clear up a whole lot of 
challenges that we face collectively from having this separation. So I believe it's this separation that's actually the source of the mother wound. And it might, ex it, it might express itself differently in you and me. Um, certainly suggested by some studies I'm doing with the gene keys, which is based in um, the I Ching, which is another really old system of uh, spirituality, right? In Chinese I Ching. Um, the gene keys are based on that. And, and I'm moving through the Venus sequence right now for myself. And um, this is the Venus sequence is the love sequence brings you from your, your divine purpose, your Dharma, all the way through your attractor field, your karma, and then all the way back through your development of your IQ, your emotional body, your physical body, zero to seven, and then all the way back through the womb. And in the womb, um, the core stone and uh, the core gene key in their model is where you have the core wound and they say for every person it's slightly different so my core wound would be impatience so and I, I could see that playing out because I was born a whole month early like I'm like let me out of here you know like, oh my god <laughs> I got stuff to do <laughs> get me out of this place <laughs> I don't want to be in here anymore I gotta go yep but yeah, so this core wound, whatever it expresses for you, is like a core pattern, right? And then it just keeps unraveling itself more and more and more. Now, at the at the connected place, at the at the highest divine expression place of that gene key for me is timelessness. You know, so it's beyond time. There is no time. Time is a construct, and it's the recognition that time is a construct. So why is there a need to be patient or impatient? Because it's all irrelevant. There is no time. So, you know, in my ultimate expression, I could achieve that realization in this lifetime and that would put me back connected to heal the mother wounds, right? That would be the, the connection. That would be the final like connection where I would be living in my divine state in my human body. Mm -hmm. So that's the one for me. Everybody's got a different one. But I think it's fascinating, um, this idea of the mother wound and how it expresses because it's so many more levels than that. It's ultimately it's the separation, which leads to what? If you feel separate from others, then you feel competitive with them. Mm -hmm. You feel scarcity. You feel different and differentness can lead to, I don't understand you and I don't need to. Differentness can lead to, um, you're not my kind, you're not in my tribe, or I'm going to shun you or, you know, also all of these patterns of, conflict and war and you know um scarcity and starvation of the human species and even like how we treat the planet mm -hmm. it's all born of this initial separation because if we really were walking around embodied knowing like we know it like we know it that i am you and you are me and i am the tree and i'm the rocks and the streams and the crops and the eagles then i I would be operating in a whole different frame of reference. I would take different actions mm -hmm. from that knowing. So we're working our way back to that knowing by healing this pattern. And you can start at any thread you want, you know, you can start with conflict. You can start with, you know, um, not loving your body, hating your body. You can start with feeling like a terrible mom. You can start with hating your mom because she wasn't nice to you or something or she didn't do something you thought she should do. Whatever it is, you can start at any one of those places and you're eventually you're going to go all the way back to this core wound. So you're saying that essentially we all have like all these manifestations of the one core wound that it comes back to. 
Absolutely, yes. Amazing. So how you say pulling on these strings. So essentially, if someone was doing this work with themselves, they could start to look at the things in their life that don't feel like oneness, like unity and start to pull on that thread. Yep, start to pull on it and start to look underneath it and see where the root is. Mm. And, you know, so this is why when I work with people, I can work on multiple different ways, right? I can, I, sometimes I lead them because I really, I'm enamored with the gene keys right now. So sometimes I lead them through the gene keys sequences because that illuminates things. Other times we'll just talk about their mom. I'll be like, okay, what'd your mom do? <laughs> tell me about, tell me about your mom. And that conversation alone gets so triggering because most of us have been trained, do not talk bad about your mother because there's consequences for that, right? Like there's a sense of loyalty, even if your mom was really abusive, there's a sense of loyalty to mm -hmm. your mother, you know? And, um, but if we can't set, you know, it's like causes further separation in some way because you, then you're recognizing I'm a separate being from this person that raised me. Mm -hmm. but that's necessary. Like it actually is necessary to fully, fully clear to become two sovereign beings next to each other to complete the separation process, so to speak, because then when the separation plot process is complete and you, you can see your mother as a divine sovereign being separate from you, that's on her own journey of learning mm -hmm. that you've been entwined with for your own journey yeah, when you can see that and you can remove the cords and everything that's in between and you can just be sovereign next to her, what happens is that you now can form a bond that's based in sovereignty at a higher level, a higher expression, a higher octave. It's no longer codependency. It's, it's this higher expression of mm. love. And the love that you can experience with her is like tremendously more potent and amazing than the love you could experience when you were all bonded up and tangled and attached. Mm -hmm. And I've personally gone through this with my mom, so I can speak to it. It's like the most, I've had these moments in the last, I would say the last six months or so, the last month even, let's just say, because it keeps getting better where I, I had my mom over for breakfast and, and believe that wasn't happening for a while. Like three years, my mom would not speak to me after my dad died because of all of this family drama and healing and stuff that I was stirring up and doing. Mm -hmm. So finally we had a miracle. We had a miracle um, Christmas miracle coming to lunch together a couple of days before Christmas. And ever since then we've been having these connections and, and going, she wants to learn about her gene keys. And so I sit there and tell her about things. And then we talk about it and we have a good laugh because we're like, Oh, that's you. Ha ha ha. Oh, that's me. He he. You know? And so we can see how the mm -hmm. divine plan put us together. And we had this beautiful moment where she was um, leaving. I was served her brunch and she was leaving the house and I gave her a hug and, and it was so tender. It was this tender moment. And I just said, I love you, mom. And my mm -hmm. mom's like, I love you. And just the way it was, was just so like, oh, I never thought I would hear that in the middle of all the fighting. Feel, I just like, as you were saying it again, these tears just came to my eyes and I could just feel like that, that love that you guys share together and how just pure and potent and beautiful that is. And I think this is important for a lot of the listeners because I think it is part of your spiritual path to start to, I, this was my experience at least as I started to wake up, I was like, oh my gosh, my parents, right. It started to go, it, it was like part of the awakening process to realize that 
And I didn't, I, now that you're saying it, like the separation process of detangling myself from their stories, their karma, their beliefs, how they were in the world and becoming my own person had to start to unravel. So I think there's a lot of people that are experiencing something similar in their own ways based on, again, whatever is at the, their root, what you were saying and just reiterating that better. This may be shining light of what can be on the other side of this for them, on the other side of this work in their healing. Yeah, and you have to do the work with zero expectation of getting what I just described because mm -hmm. as long as I was doing the work in order for my mom to be different, it was stuck yeah. and it wasn't budging. Mm -hmm. Like I had tried for a while on that because I've been at this for a while. You know, my heart always knew. Well, when my dad passed away, I was at his, um, his death side, his bedside um, as he was dying and he was, he was not awake at the moment. He was, he was passing over and I, but I had been in, I had been um, in dream time with him next to the bed for several hours and he was having like a life review with me psychically for several hours and um, just reminding me of different things that um, from my childhood, things I'd forgotten about. And he's like, oh, I can't believe you forgot about that. We we're having this beautiful connection time with my dad before he passed away. And, um, and I remember at the end of all that, and he wasn't going to come back again into my dream time. And I was like, okay, he's departing. He's letting go. I, I leaned over and I just whispered in his ear and I said, dad, I promise you. I know mom and I aren't getting along very well, and I promise you that I'm going to learn to love her un unconditionally. I promise you that. Mm. <sighs> it was a big promise. Yeah. You know, because there was a lot of hurt feelings on both sides for years, and lots of things that my mom and I, we always used my dad for a bridge to, so that we could talk to each other. And now my bridge was dying. My bridge was going away. And I had to learn how to talk to her myself. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the hardest things I believe between a daughter and a mother is that how can I be who I am and fully express myself to you while also knowing and honoring that you're my mother at the same time and we might be at odds with our perspectives. How can I honor you even though my little girl inside my brain remembers other times that's where I was scared by you, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so we, you know, there's it's such a complicated puzzle to solve. And the starting point is wherever you're at, is just start where you're at. If you're on the edge pieces, then work on the edge pieces. If you're in the center piece, then work on the center pieces. You know, you just kind of have to start wherever you are and find the next adjacent piece and then just keep working to the next adjacent piece. And eventually it will lead to a complete puzzle if you just don't stop and you just keep going. Mm -hmm. All the puzzles are there. All the pieces to the puzzle are available is what I wanted to say. Well, thank you for this wisdom and putting it in a way I think that's easy, right? Just like start to peel back the things that don't feel good. And at the center of that, there will be something. Is there anything else you want to say on healing the mother wound and this process and this practice and the work that you do around the mother wound? Yeah, I think it's really important for people to realize that this um, peeling back the layers, as you say, is not a mental process necessarily. There are components that are mental, but like this is why psychotherapy, traditional psychotherapy is not 
getting at it. It's just encouraging, like, like my experience sitting on a couch for two decades weekly talking about my problems. It didn't get underneath it. Like if there had been energy medicine or EMDR even or embodiment or uh, meditation contemplation, any of that would have helped to move it along a lot faster, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then again, things move at their own pace. So as I say that, I also want to really be clear that life has its own rhythm and every person's life has its own rhythm and you can't force things. Like I have a gene key with a shadow of force. So I've played around a lot with forcing things to be what I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And to move along more quickly with my impatience, I mentioned impatience. So I've played around a lot in that area. And what I can say is that things generally have a natural ripening time. And so if you want to be um, healing and the conversation of healing, then my invitation is to state out loud your intentions at the start of every day. And the intention could be something like, you know, I am ready to thaw my heart towards my mother mm. or my family. I am ready to be a blank slate for a new foundation of love in my family. Show me the way. And to make these, these like desires expressed and then allow the divine spirit, divine mother, great spirit, whatever your, you know, God source, whatever your idea is to bring you the synchronistic realizations, encounters, moments, experiences, conversations, whatever it would be that would lead you to the next piece of your puzzle to be resolved, right? Mm -hmm. And so you, your attention is, is um, consistent and disciplined. And then in, there's like a relaxing of how and when so that you just you say, this is my intention. This is the what. I know the what. I feel it in my heart. I know I want my mom in my life. I know I want a happy family. I know I want like family gatherings where everyone feels loved and supported and cared about and understood. And this is my, this is my heart's desire. And then there's the releasing of expectation. And because spirit, God's first creator, great mother will show you exactly what's in the way of that happening piece by piece by piece by piece. So wherever you start, you can always keep just following the threads. And it's not a, that's the most direct path I've found, actually. It seems not direct, but it's quite direct if you just keep intending it every day. And, um, and I think that's one of the, the things that worked for me, because when I wrote my book, when I wrote my first book, Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love, and when I wrote this book, Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound, both of them. I started with the intention of the destination, like this is where I want to be. So fierce love, I want to heal the mother wound. I want to heal it, not just part way, all the way, mm. all the way to the core. And I want to love myself, not just part of the way, all the way to the core. So starting a project, you know, like a book or a journaling or a piece of art or some, some you know, tangible third dimensional project and giving it that name and saying, this is my project and I'm starting it. And when I'm complete with it, I'll know that I've accomplished my mission. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful way to do it too. I love that. That's a really tangible and there's, I, I love that you like bring it into the physical like that. That's really. Because really it's so esoteric. Like sometimes I'm just, 
these things are esoteric. Okay. Let's just say spirit mm -hmm. healing. And this is all spirit healing. Everything I'm saying is spirit healing. You don't need to go to somebody to have spirit healing. It's fun, you know, to have somebody there to help you guide you and witness you and listen for messages mm -hmm. with you. But that's all wonderful. And that can be part of your journey. But that's just one piece of the whole tapestry of your spirit healing. Your spirit healing is you understanding you, you know, like it's you navigating your, the map that your soul laid out for you to walk. And that's your whole life. There's so many millions of moments inside every single day where there's a message or a realization or a feeling as something that is like, yes, that's what I'm searching for. It's right there. And then it, it you know, it fleets away again. So this is the journey. It's very esoteric. So the more you can make it practical in the book, in the healing, the mother wound book, um, there's, um, a mandala, an earth mandala that you can use to work with the earth energy. And it's a very specific mandala, right? So as you start creating it, Mother Earth already knows, oh, you're working on healing the mother wounds. Okay, great. And so you start to form it as it says, you make a circle. And then as you're calling in the directions into the center of the circle, you know, you're taking these methodic actions that reveal to the divine mother, oh, you're ready to heal the mother wound. And as you do it, you'll work that earth painting, that earth mandala over the weeks and months. It's you're in communion with divine mother on your own heart and healing your own heart. So I, I like that too. It's very practical. It, it's quite astounding and it's, it's made my job much easier in my circles because everyone's doing their <laughs> own, they're doing their mandala and then we just come into the circles and talk about it. So it's very helpful. Mm, beautiful. Well, where can people find you? Where do you hang out the most? And if someone's interested in getting in contact with you or your books, where can they find them? My website is uh, carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And you can find everything there. There's a link to um, Reinvent Yourself book, all about caterpillars and how we're humans are caterpillars right now, munch, 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 turning into mm -hmm. wonderful butterflies <laughs> right about now in the next couple of years. And uh, there's another book. Uh, you can download um, 17 interviews, 17 interviews from the Return to Mother Wisdom Summit that I did for the launch of the Love is Fierce book. And that's also wow. available. If you just kind of hunt around, you'll find some things. You can, and all of that gets you on the list. But yeah, I, I love working with people. I love, um, I love mentoring and guiding and I love learning how to do it better. You know, mm. because, because as you know, when you're Shelby, when you're, you know, start to open up your psychic gifts, you become aware of so much and it's easy sometimes to just kind of dip in the candy jar and just give someone an answer. Mm -hmm. But isn't it, it's so much more satisfying to me now, like if somebody can like find it, it's like, yes. oh, they're, cause I already see where they're going <laughs> and all I had to do is nudge a little, like a uh -huh. little cat with a, like, mm. And I think for that here a little, I think for that, I think it's so much more powerful when they find it themselves rather than getting an answer from me, because in the work that I do, I feel like when they can find that energy in their field or that piece of information in their, that's in their awareness, but not in their awareness, if they can just do that themselves, then it empowers them and they can say, oh, I don't actually need you, which is the ultimate goal, right? To bring people back to I have everything I need and I can do this on my own. So. Yeah. And it's fun to do it in group. You know, it's fun. Yeah. I like group programs. Cause um, 
almost my most of my work now is group programs. I still do individual sessions because it's you know some people still like that time with me, and I like that time with them, so it's cool, you know. But the group's fun because every person is a face of you, and isn't that awesome? And every person is a face of you in that group. So as you listen to what people are going through, it's like there's a piece of you in them. That part I love too. Yeah. I really I think it's so amazing to see the divine in action. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty magical. Well, thank you. We're going to link everything that we chatted about today in the show notes for the listeners. If you're, if you're feeling called to anything Carrie spoke about, you can hop to the show notes. We'll have all the links there. Thank you so much for this beautiful message and conversation. I'm so excited to share it with the audience. And yeah, it's going to be magic. Thank you, Shelby. And thank you everybody out there. <laughs>